Welcome to Write Answers, a podcast brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. I'm Noah Waspy, and I'm joined by a few people. Um, Beth, how are you doing? Great, Noah. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. Let's start with a poem, and then we'll talk about what's going on at OWP. Absolutely. All right, today I have Ode to the Enchanted Light by Pablo Neruda, translated into English. Under the trees, light has dropped from the top of the sky, light like a green latticework of branches, shining on every leaf, drifting down like clean white sand. A cicada sends its sawing song high into the empty air. The world is a glass overflowing with water. It's one of my favorites. So nice. We did something fun with this poem in my class. We did, you know, we read it as a mentor text. And then we wrote, we were doing some project work. And one of the things that they did for their multi-genre project was an ode to their topic. Using that model is pretty fun. All right, enough about that. Well, actually, I mean, what a great idea, right, Noah? Especially in this moment of so much uncertainty and feelings that um, go across the gamut. How lovely to think about an ode for a moment, like to sit in with someone or something or some place and just appreciate something so small. I feel like it'd be kind of some healing kind of writing if all of us tried it. Oh, absolutely. And that metaphor at the end, what a great way to practice that. Right. Like writing a really beautiful metaphor. All right. So Beth, what's coming up at OWP? Oh gosh, Noah, so many things. I, I mean, I wish I had an hour to talk about them, but we are on the cusp of OWP summer and we're starting our 41st annual teaching of writing workshop. And this year is gonna be completely online for obvious reasons. But what that lets us do is connect with teachers all over Ohio and even in other states. So it's super exciting. And on top of that, we have other workshops going on around math or mentor texts or innovations and even the power of art, just so many workshops you can see them on our website or on the link that you always kind of lead us to at the end of this website um, we also have two other really cool things going on betsy who's joining us in a few minutes is leading the us through a hike bike and write day on june 1st where just on your own you get to walk or hike on june 1st or any day but then we're going to meet up and share the writing that we do so cool. Uh, maybe we'll write some odes. I'm thinking about that. Sticking it in my notebook now. And then we also have, um, we're going to have monthly meetups across Ohio with partnering with ODE to talk about what we've learned about teaching and what we want to take with us. And then really to marry the idea of what do we know about writing instruction and then what it might look like teaching remotely uh, in conversations with each other. So I'm so excited about summer. Deep. With the ODE chat, I remember the last one, it was amazing and it was huge. Like yeah. there were so many people. Do people need to sign up, try to like keep an eye out for that to sign up early? Yeah, they will need to sign up early because we'll have to cut it off a little bit to make sure that we have enough space on our Zoom, but we're gonna spread them out through the, through the summer and then we're gonna have some breakout rooms and make it a little smaller to accommodate everybody. So yes, keep a lookout on it. We'll advertise it on Twitter and Facebook and our new Instagram which I should also point out has writing prompts. So weekly, if you're thinking about trying to get back into the writing mode, you can follow us at, at OWPMU on Instagram and find 
brand new writing prompts every week. It's so cool. And we have a, an interview coming up, not maybe at the beginning of next school year, maybe this summer with the person who runs that Instagram. She's so amazing. Lauren is amazing. Well, speaking of amazing people, let's talk about today's guest. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good segue, right? <laughs> Beth, what can we say about what can we say about Betsy Woods to best introduce her to people who may not already know her? Yeah, so I well, there's so many things to say, and I would uh, I'm going to go do a little arc if you don't mind of what I know about Betsy to show her amazingness. So I can actually remember the moment that I first met Betsy in a teaching of writing workshop that she took at Miami. We're in Bachelor Reading Room on the third floor, Bachelor Hall, Miami University and she is doing her teacher demonstration. She had us writing to a piece of music. I came home that night and I downloaded that piece of music. Well, I guess you couldn't download at the time. So I found it and I still have the piece of writing I wrote from that moment. I remember the feeling. And so she's one of those teachers, right? That you can remember when you learn beside her. And so I remember that first time and then um, I remember actually meeting students of Betsy's along the way, and when they found out that I worked with the writing project, they would say, wait, do you know Betsy Woods? And they would then talk about all of the things they learned in her classroom. At the writing project, she has led our um, technology work. She has offered workshops and writing centers, student-led writing centers, which are so amazing, as well as, a, I don't even know how many classes, and she is that teacher who says the thing, right? Whether she asks the question or gives you a comment that makes you stop and remember, just like the very first lesson I learned from her, I learned from her every time she's teaching. Yeah, I want to pile on just a little bit onto that. Um, okay. I, wow. It, Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, Betsy is or maybe was, I'm not sure if you still are, Betsy, a teacher leader in Milford, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I am friends with uh, one of Betsy's colleagues and he has so many nice things to say about her progressive ideas and the way that uh, she has influenced his teaching and uh, the way she's, you know, moved him forward and nudged him forward. He's a, she's also a person that people go to when they need teaching advice or personal. So I can't wait to talk to Betsy today. So let's get to it. Thanks, Noah. <laughs> so in some of our OWP chats that we've been having every Sunday, Betsy, I noticed you always have really cool ideas or cool things that you've tried. So I thought it might be cool, a good way to start by talking about some of the successes. I mean, I know that this has been such a challenging time for everybody, but um, sure. can you talk about some of the successes that you've experienced with this kind of online teaching and what you might take forward into the next school year? Um, yeah, sure. I think, um, uh, you know, we're all going to have to be flexible next year. I think that's probably job one, right, as our, since we really don't know what's coming at us. Um, so one of the things I think I would count as a success over the past um, two months would be um, how we had to shift um, our roles as teachers and our students had to shift their roles as well um, into the online world. So in my uh, AP Capstone courses, which are seminar and research, the students needed to produce a presentation um, at the end of the year, although it was called off by the College Board. To, um, they actually aren't using that anymore as one of their measures uh, for their exam. Instead, it's just a paper. But we wanted our students to still do that because we wanted them to fulfill the goals of the course, um, and we thought it was important. Uh, so 
Well, we ask them, we give them pretty loose instructions on this. They knew how to do it. They've done it before and they've practiced all year. Um, but we said, you're in a different environment now. You're not in the classroom. You don't have a clever touch in back of you. You're not dressed in your professional attire for the day, although some of them still did. Um, and, um, you know, you're going to have to make this what it is, whether that means you hold up a poster that you made with one word on it and you talk, right? Or you hold up your phone and... Um, um, make that into a video for us. Um, and we just had students do amazing things. Um, and what it taught me really, um, and we, they, um, we did it in different ways. Some of them, a seminar class, they sent us a link, uh, in research, they put it on a Flipgrid, uh, website. But what it taught me, I think in the end is, um, it made me reevaluate something that I knew, I didn't like about the course anyway. Um, I'm not trying to be derisive about the um, AP course, but I had a feeling in both those courses that we were teaching students how to give PowerPoints, you know, um, which to me was not necessarily the skill I wanted to be teaching. Um, so when I saw the creative ways they presented, and some of them um, still used a Google Slideshow or a PowerPoint, and they were in their living rooms and it was on their televisions. Others did a lot of different creative things. Um, you know, you saw a lot of students' homes in the past two months um, and students in their homes. Uh, but what it, it reminded me of is that sometimes our parameters for students are very prescriptive. And I think that when you um, have the opportunity, even if you're forced into it, um, to open up the guidelines, you never know what you're going to get, right? And you are pleasantly surprised sometimes. So I would say that that's um, one success I would definitely count over the past couple months. Um, another one I was thinking about, I just got an email yesterday from a student, and it's this is a student who I had in 2019, in spring of 2019, in a creative writing class. So I haven't actually had contact with her in a year. Um, but she emailed me about um, uh, placing second place in a local creative writing contest, right? And I was so excited for her. Um, and she particularly said in her email, let's see, um, I shared my stories with you. You told me my stories were meant to be shared with others and that I should try to take a step out of my bubble and share them with others, right? So so, um, so and that's why she entered the contest with the story that she had actually first drafted in our class together. So it was so nice to get this email, but it reminded me of something I think I said in the OWP chat just last weekend. You know, you don't always know your successes um, until much later, and you, maybe you'll never know them, right? But sometimes they come a year later. Um, so this one came, this one's a year old, the success story that I just uh, found today. And I really loved it. I mean, it's a thoughtful email. I think that current time period where we're living in um, the situation that we're in right now, sort of, um, it has people reaching out to people, you know, I think uh, in a lot of ways people want to reach out uh, to each other. So that might have um, sparked this as well. Um, but it also reminds me of, um, you know, words teachers have said to me as well, or colleagues like Beth, right? Um, so she says that similar things to uh, teachers all the time, right? Um, so I just kind of wanted to count that one as a success too, even though it didn't happen directly in the remote learning environment, it's, it still did, right? And she sent me a link to her story, uh, which is on the public library's website. So I think what you did there is really important. Like, I want to circle back to a few things that you said, but, you know, we don't give enough encouragement sometimes, or maybe we do, but we forget the importance of the role of encouragement. Because encouragement may not lead to a better test score. But mm -hmm. when you hear about these 
successful people who maybe did or didn't like school, they always talk about a teacher who encouraged them. And that was the thing that sparked them to go further. Um, if we're talking about helping kids to go further with their lives, it may or may not, you know, show on the ACT, SAT, or, you know, state tests. But that encouragement yeah. thing that you did, look at, look at what it did with this student that was in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it, I think too, it tells us something else that we've all learned about the importance of relationships and learning. And this moment in time, I think really highlighted that because as different schools had different policies around grades or assessments, or as Betsy noted, even places like College Board who, you know, hang their hat on assessments, things had to change. That what we found out was that relationships really mattered and encouragement and moving learners and readers and writers along in that way makes all the difference and i think that was a learning that we need to hold on to yeah so kind of following up on on that and something else you said betsy you you talked about the important lesson of how sometimes teachers or we are can be too pres prescriptive which speaks right to my heart i do that all the time on accident <laughs> um <laughs> Can you talk about some of the adjustments that you made around that? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, we had, I mean, I think like a many, many teachers across the country, we, you know, clearly had adjustments in timelines uh, for our students because we didn't know their situations, right? Um, we didn't know exactly what they were going through. Um, I think in this remote learning environment, and perhaps if we're continuing it, the other big adjustment is to distill your lessons, you know, um, to get down to what you really want to teach, what you really want the students to learn, and figure out a way to do that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this over the past couple of days. I'm taking a course on creating courses um, online right now, and a couple of the key points we're talking about are, you know, how do you how do you can, um, create student engagement in an online course? How is it not just like post and respond, post and respond? Um, and I think another big area that people are concerned with and rightfully show is how are we going to differentiate in our online learning environments as well? Um, and I would hate to see differentiation um, on the back burner. And I think one of the ways to accomplish both of those um, is to think about your lessons and think about for us for portfolio writing really really um, where there's a production right um, um, and I think publication of writing and maybe not the same publication for everybody uh, so I do think when you lean towards um, a portfolio instead of say the exact same assignment from every student uh, you might be able to capture some differentiation easier uh, in an easier way and you might be able to engage students um, as well because they can choose their best work um, and they can be invested in different parts uh, of your course and maybe not so invested in other parts of your course yeah we did something like that in my class too where you know like we always hear from Kelly Gallagher, for example, we want students writing more than what we grade. And right. what a great way to do that, right? To have them write a lot and then they choose their best pieces. Absolutely, right? Um, and, you know, maybe that means that when you set up your modules in an online class, um, you set up eight modules for the quarter or the semester and they pick six, right, um, to do. As long as they are, you know, capturing the same skills, um, you should be fine with that. I want to go also back to what you said about distilling. Another thing that you said that spoke right to my heart. Um, you know, when I started using Screencastify more during this online uh -huh. learning process, I didn't, I didn't figure out 
that you could get that free upgraded version. So uh-huh. I was stuck with the free version. Uh-huh. You know, I remembered when we first, when I first started learning about workshop and they said your lesson is supposed to be 10 minutes long. I was like, what, what, 10 minutes? But then Screencastify, the free version, only let me do five minutes. I was right. so surprised at how easy it was to fit my lessons into five minutes. And I was so taken aback by how much time I waste over explaining things. I would agree. And you know, when the students can watch it again, right? <laughs> There's no reason to keep going over and they can rewind um, and they will, right? Um, if they don't understand something. So I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you have to watch the minute mark uh, on your screencasts or your videos. You really do. And really just be very selective in what you, how you want to, what you want to convey in the video format. Um, Cause students can get overloaded with that too. Just like they can get overloaded with um, an assignment uh, that has so many words on the page that you know, they're not going to read all of them. Right. Um, so you have to really just um, winnow it uh, into what you want it to be um, and be concise and precise, just like we ask our students to be in their writing. In addition to hearing you talk about, you know, like focusing our teaching more on what's important. I'm also hearing a little bit of, then this has maybe sh- shown a light on the need for empathy for students. Absolutely, yes, definitely. So, um, and I think, you know, we still, we want students to be accountable, right? And and we have to help them um, want that for themselves as well, right? We have to help them, uh, maybe it's through validation and maybe for some students that's a grade, right? Um, maybe that's that works fine for some students. They're very validated by grades, but there are a lot of other students who are validated through your words, right? So the more you can, like we are circling back to what we were talking about before, the more you can write something to them that's personal, um, when you respond to them or record your um, responses to them so that they hear your voice, I think the better chance you have of hitting, hitting home with them, right. Um, With your feedback to them. So I think empathy can go a long way. Um, And they have empathy for you too, right? My students often email me and say, I know you're, I know you're grading a million papers, but will you look back at this for me? Right. They, they certainly do that. They're not um, blind to what the teacher's plight is right now too. Um, And many of them have been very kind um, to their teachers right now. So. For sure. So I know that, you know, none of us can tell the future and probably the challenges and uh, what school looks like next year will vary even from district to district, right? We talked about that last week on our OWP chat. What do you see like next school year, even as uncertain as it might be, what do you see as like some of, what do you see as being some of the biggest challenges that teachers will be Um, facing and how do you plan on confronting some of those? I think some of the biggest challenges teachers are going to be facing is um, whether you're face to face with a student in a classroom or working remotely, you're going to be teaching in a way that maybe um, you don't feel comfortable or um, maybe you don't think is best practice for teaching, right? So you have to make it what it is and you have to make the best of it. So even if you go face to face back in the classroom, you're not going to be doing your group work anymore, right? Necessarily, Um, even though that's what you've been longing for is some collaboration 
collaboration with students. The students might really still be working very much individually um, while they're in front of you in the classroom. So you have to think about that. Um, and if you're not comfortable teaching remotely or online, you really have to think about how to make the best of the world. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of challenges. Like I said before, with teaching remotely, student engagement, they might be really engaged and you wouldn't know it, right? Um, there's that aspect too. They might be doing, uh, really being excited to wake up for your class in the morning. I think we should think about as well, you know, if we're teaching remotely, maybe we could tag our classes and our students could select a class that's entirely asynchronous or one that has a virtual live component, right? Um, because it, you hear a lot out on social media when you're um, listening to other teachers about um, some issues of equity that go with like Zoom meetings and um, other um, you know, just actually requiring students to be somewhere at a certain time in, in this remote setting um, where students are working or students are um, daycare uh, for their siblings, right? Uh, so I think that we can go a long way um, with our students by actually offering our courses in different ways to them. That's more of a district level thing than an individual teacher, but teachers can bring that up too. Like I'll teach a section that's entirely, entirely asynchronous or I'll teach one that has a virtual live component once a week, right? Um, so I think we have to meet our students there um, and try to, again, do what's best for them, um, as well as, you know, thinking about what's best for you as a teacher. So I want to spring one on, on everybody in this conversation. Um, and I don't really know the answer. Maybe we can just work through it, or maybe we'll just end with saying, I don't know. We'll circle back to it someday in the future. What do you think writing workshop looks like in a socially distanced environment. I think the, the reason I ask is because I think that you're already kind of circling around that, Betsy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it looks like, but one component I would love to see still in a virtual environment of writing workshop is handwriting is writing by hand, is drafting by hand, is drafting quickly, right? Um, and I can either, as a teacher, trust that you're doing that many, many times that I think I can trust my students to be doing that. I can also require, you know, a picture upload of your favorite, you know, um, line or two or doodle even out of your notebook, right? I think that initial drafting and invention has to be there in a writing workshop kind of format, right? And I, I, I worry about that element going missing if you're just using a learning management system and again doing post and reply, post and reply, and just typing away in a tiny dialog box. So <clears throat> I have been off on mute a little bit because we had our outside weed, you know, weed eaters going on and car alarms. Of course. <laughs> so um, I, when, when I think about writing workshop remotely, I, I guess like one of the first things that I need to do, Noah, is go back and remind myself what I believe about writing workshop. Because I think that what I believe about writing workshop is probably true no matter what. And it just looks different ways, right? Like I really always believe that time matters in a writing workshop, that there's some sacred time or that there's consistent predictable time. And I think we can do that remotely. I think we can set up the very beginning of a year, maybe even if we're remote, some like predictable structures to kind of talk about and frame choices that writers can make and that we can come together for small moments, either whether it's through, um, through writing or whether it's through a video um, or whether it's through kind of like a guided module. 
and that there's just kind of lots of time put in and then we can have some words on the page and i love that betsy mentions notebooks and maybe even then this is a really great place to capitalize on the next thing i believe that i think would show up which is choice that i think we can still offer and show writers making choices. They can make choices about what, where they put their notes, if they're a digital writer or an audio oral composer, or whether they are a hand writer. And they can make choices about what's the best way to share what they're thinking, what's the best way to learn. Should I log in or should I do it asynchronously? Should, um, should I make a video for this? Should I send in a writing? I think I, the choices then are kind of expand and letting students kind of make some choices about what who they are. And even to build on a really cool thing you said earlier, like I could imagine having planned out like a mini unit and projecting my possible mini lessons and saying, you know, here's four mini lessons you might want to do during the drafting stage. Choose which one you think you need right now, looking at your draft. And then you'd go do that. And that would totally be a writing workshop. It'd be like a small group that I could, that you're kind of running either remotely or synchronously. And then I think the last, so time and choice, I think we can still do. We just have to frame it and support it in different ways. And then I think teaching is obviously the most important component and it always is. And teaching might show up in um, small conferences, just like we do one-on-one -on -one conferences. You know, we can do it through the phone or even through letters back and forth. Um, and we could do um, whole lessons like you're mentioning that I think we can break them down and teach that way. And then people can show what they have learned. I think one of the most important things is gonna be this. I think it's gonna be helping students and student writers find their successes, which means we're gonna to have to choose our teaching really importantly, if that's the right word. I mean, I think we're gonna to have to be careful, right? Like what's the lesson I can do that you can do on your own with me and that you can feel successful. That's what's gonna keep the motivation going, which is what I need in a workshop. So I think I'm gonna to have to really kind of key in on that as well. Um, of course, there's so many other things we'll figure out, but I've known a lot of writers who get together across the world and the way they get together is by writing on their own because they've set up a frame and then they get together and share. And it's a predictable structured time still in order to have space to think and make choices. Yeah, those are really good thoughts, Beth. And don't forget, too, that sometimes I, I feel like we forget that our students can teach, too. Um, so that especially like in this shift, if you're shifting online uh, and you feel the weight of the world as a teacher on you to produce all the lessons and all the mini lessons and the video lectures and the guided notes. Um, but in my regular classroom, my students let discussion, right? They can do that online, too. I can make them responsible for a discussion over a story or a poem, right? Uh, individual students or a pair of students or a group of students and they can find their own way to do that and then they can surprise you um, many times in how they do that so remembering always um, that the best way to learn is to teach right um, it brings it gives them a lot um, when they have to undertake that right they, well, they could be an expert right we could look back at a mentor text and say check this ode out remember the ode we started with and here's what you have who thinks they tried a really great last line like our model right. does Take us through how you did that so we can learn from you. Who else is an expert on trying a metaphor in the middle of your ode? Tell me what you did. Show us. And then write it. I mean, let's workshop. That's writers working together on their craft. And I think we can do it online. It just, 
I think we as teachers are going to have to teach ourselves what teaching online means. We're going to have to teach students what learning online means. And we're going to have to give everyone a little grace. Yeah. When I first started thinking about writing workshop in a socially distanced environment, even if students are like they have a few students in the room or one of those options, I was just trying to picture like Carl Anderson sitting six feet away from a student and asking, how's it going? And it's hard <laughs> to imagine how that would work. It right, there's like a megaphone, right? Like, how's it going? <laughs> going? But, <laughs> but, what you, but what you're both saying is whether or not that's an option. I mean, maybe there's a way to make that work if you're doing like with small groups or something sitting apart from each other. But, you know, I've, before we could sit next to a student and just kind of learn on the fly and fumble our way into what they're trying to accomplish and fumble our way into whatever we thought their next steps might be. Now we have to read their work. And like you said, Beth, we have to pay closer attention to what they're, I think we're, we have to pay closer attention to what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to succeed at maybe than ever before, because we're not going to get those extra shots at asking follow-up questions or talking like our feedback on their piece might be the only kind of feedback that we're able to give them that day or even that week. So I think that one thing yeah, we, have to do is we have to like have students, we have to make our import, our feedback more high impact and we have to make it so that it's more interactive for students, whether it's doing what Betsy talked about with leaving like video and audio feedback with students or having asking students to do something with our feedback. And that might mean us making some really important decisions for what the scope of our mini unit or our work during that unit is, some, some goals. So we know what to look for. And that might be our, our formative thinking, might be really important. So I want to add something else about writing workshop that I, that I just got done saying how I think you hold on to the stuff that's important and you can recreate it. But I also want to remind myself that I should also be open to blowing it up. I think in a remote and distance environment, we can't be trying to just recreate our classroom because it's not our classroom. And I think Betsy already alluded to this. What we also need to do is open our mind and reimagine and maybe create something new, not just try to recreate the group work, but what was at the core of the group work, what is it that they needed from each other, and then create something new. And another thing we can do with our students uh, for the feedback loop in general is we can coach them into um, better questions on their ends, right? Um, so I think a lot of us have teachers have been emailing students answers to their questions and we want to answer their questions right away but a lot of times it, um, that takes two or three times because we don't understand their question right uh, and we don't understand what they're asking us so if we intentionally at the beginning of courses talk about effective communication in general um, with our students and what we expect from them uh, and and again hold them sort of accountable for um, 
communicating with me effectively so that I can communicate with you in a timely manner as well and just as effectively. So ask the right questions. Don't say, what do you think of my paragraph, right? Um, and, don't, and don't ask me, would you mind reading this, right? Um, that's not really, especially in this environment, like Noah said, if they were sitting right next to me, I'd fumble my way through that and I'd be like, yeah, give me that paragraph, right? And then I'd point some things out to them. But since they're not, and I'm going to be taking my time to draft a response to them in one manner or another, they need to um, do their and do their part on their end as well, right? And and add some specifics in there. Fantastic. So let's bring it on home. What is like as we think about if we could distill to use that word again, all of our thinking about what we want to take with us next year into one three word phrase. And I wish I would have given you more time to think about this. So I'll try to stall. <laughs> what would that three word phrase be? And I will edit out the silence that it takes us <laughs> to come up with this one. All right, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna say, and one of my words is the, but anyway, balance the learning, you know, and by that I mean balance everything um, as best you can. And um, so that means have a routine, but offer choice, right? Um, uh, it means have a structure, but um, don't have, um, don't put your um, old class into your online class, right? It means throw some things away and add some new things. So I think balance the learning. It's just going to be um, a year of, I mean, it's going to be hard work, right? It's all going to be hard work, but hopefully it'll still be rewarding. And I think what I think a lot of teachers are looking forward to uh, finding the silver lining here is that it's going to um, make us all better teachers and learners in the end, hopefully. I like that. I think that I want to steal yours, but just for the sake of being fair, I'll say a, a different one. Okay, good. <laughs> Make adjustments, dummy. <laughs> I think that sometimes, I, I, I'm probably not the only one, but I feel like I get so set in what I planned on doing. It's hard for me to break out of that plan. And I think that this is just going to be one of the most fluid situ teaching situations that we'll ever experience. So I have to be ready to make adjustments. And like Beth said, maybe this is your three word phrase, Beth, blow it up. <laughs> right. That, I mean, that would, that would be a great three word phrase. I think I want to say teaching is remarkable. Um, and I used an is, which I regret now as I say that. <laughs> However, um, to be verb, I, it could have been stronger. But I mean, it's remarkable in so many ways. And this moment reminds us that teachers have been remarkable. They have kept students grounded in times and places they needed to be. They have changed on a dime so much work and understanding. And they have been a place that um, keeps a family together sometimes. And on top of that, no matter how hard this work is going to be going forward, how lucky we are that what we're doing as teachers is teaching, that what we're doing is that we get to work with students, that we get to rethink and do a job that's intellectually stimulating and that helps others grow and learn that teaching is remarkable. Thank you.